Let's take a minute and thank our sponsors for helping grow this podcast to bigger and better every episode. Our first one is SR3 Rescue Concepts because you don't know what you don't know. Our next one is Life Saving Systems Corporation. We do our work so you can do yours. Tough gear for tough jobs. Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. And Flipping Coffee, brewing real coffee with real ingredients for real coffee drinkers. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, standardization, and safety checks. Or maybe just an annual FAA refresher is what you need. They're ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is amazing. With certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew members that are offering training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, and ground operations. SR3 has partnered with Petzl to assist with a personal protective equipment inspection course and the highly specific Lazard, which is used for helicopter cliff and mountain rescue. And to add into it, they also teach ground tactical emergency care. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Again, sr3rescueconcepts.com or follow them on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. That's sr3 underscore rescue. Then we have Life Saving Systems Corporation. Manufactures the world's toughest helicopter rescue gear. From their Triton harness, which is my favorite harness being a rescueman, to the rescue basket, litters, and of course the most popular hoist hook in helicopters, yes, the D-Lock. The team at LSC cuts, bends, sews, wells, and machines these products into existence every day and sends them on their way to us. We do our work so that you can do yours. LSC, tough gear for tough jobs. Check them out at lifesavingsystems.com. That's lifesavingsystems.com. And follow them over on Instagram, at R-E-S-Q-G-E-A-R. That's at Rescue Gear. Next is Breeze Eastern. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and unique mission requirements has changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, operators, and those rescued has not. Contact Breeze Eastern today by visiting at breeze-eastern.com. That's breeze-eastern.com. And the last one is Flippin' Coffee. At Flippin' Coffee, we roast each batch to perfection to bring that smooth, delicious cup of coffee that you won't find in most other brands. We like to keep it simple. Brewing real coffee using real ingredients for real coffee drinkers. Contact them today at flippincoffee.com. That's F-L-I-P-P-I-N coffee.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at flippincoffee. That's at F-L-I-P-P-I-N coffee. As a bonus, Flippin' Coffee is given a promotion. If you punch in promotion code, all capitals, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q, you get 10% off. That's promo code REALRESCUE, capitals, all capitals, 
R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q, and you get 10%. If you're just going to send everybody an email, just make sure you tell them one thing. Quinny sent me here. And thank you to all of our sponsors. I had a super fun time with our next guest. It was awesome. Uh, this guy goes from mountains to hurricanes, fast rope, rappel, hoist, rescuemen. Pretty awesome to listen to what these guys do. So without further ado, please welcome Mr. Brad Corkins. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Real Rescue Podcast. I got a killer guest today. His name is Brad Corkins. What's up, Brad? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Dude, thank you for coming on to the Real Rescue Podcast. How are you? It's my pleasure. I'm good. Yeah. So uh, we, we, you and I met back a little while ago while you were down in Tucson, Arizona. And man, we had some fun desert stories and all, all you guys are walking around with guns and I felt naked. Gosh. <laughs> it, it, it was good training. It was a good time. Yes. So tell everybody uh, just a little bit about yourself and, and then where you're from. And actually, I would love for you to tell them what you're doing now, because it's just hilarious. And I absolutely love it. So <laughs> hit me. What do you got? Okay, I'm Brad Corkins. I'm retired uh, from Customs Border Protection Office of uh, Air and Marine or Air and Marine Operations. It's what it's called now. Uh, I retired in 2017. Congratulations. October. And uh, prior to that, I was a uh, Border Patrol um and local law enforcement and with the army so i've uh since i was 18 years old i've been serving the country doing law enforcement and rescue operation type uh, activities and thank you for your service sir well thank you absolutely that's it that's all you're going to give okay, me that, that's just my background <laughs> um I, yes i'm sorry jason uh, i'm not used to talking about myself I, I You're such a good-looking guy, dude. You just you come on, let it roll. <laughs> I grew up here in Iowa, and after retiring, that was part of my retirement. Is uh, uh, family runs a Century Farm, and what Century Farm is, it's been in the same family for over a hundred years. And my uh, father's uh, health was uh, declining, and uh, I was uh, in the position to retire after 20 years. So I retired to come up to uh, run the family farm and help him with whatever I need with the cattle or uh, crops. So I begrudgingly left uh, <laughs> something I, re I really love doing is uh, flying air rescue. And I came up here to help the family out when they needed me and uh, still doing it. Coming back and to rescue the family. Look at you. You, you So you yeah, actually haven't stopped. Rescue never leaves your blood. You never leaves one, your blood. <laughs> one you, you just or yeah. another. You just stepped out of a, a badass helicopter flying a, the Blackhawk to, you know, saving the farm. Dude, that's yeah. like, yeah. That's like a good movie. <laughs> we, need to, we need to call somebody and get like a, that's a good old boy. Man, that could even be a country song. Come on there, Brad. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not much of a singer, so I'll leave the singing to you. Oh, yeah, no, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So... So tell us, uh, how did you get into search and rescue? Like what drew you there and, and how did that happen? 
Well, I, I was with the Border Patrol and I was assigned to uh, Air and Marine Operations as an operations specialist. So I was arranging uh, flights and assistance uh, with Air and Marine Operations for the Border Patrol as a liaison. And I got, uh, flying's always been in my blood, and they gave me the opportunity to uh, switch agencies over to air and marine operations. And I, I jumped at it in a blink of an eye. Um, after, you know, at this time, I was 49 years old, and I was going through another basic academy. I had a long list of basic academies throughout my career. Nice. Uh, 49 years old, going to uh, the air academy. Out were in the, were you the oldest guy in the class? I was. Oh, yeah. That's a way yeah, to represent. Yeah. Good job. I had, to, I had to keep up with young guys like you at the academy, and I, <laughs> I tried my best and got through it. Dude, that's awesome. Well done. 49 so, years old, you're going through this, this training to get you into the Air Marine unit for search and rescue. That's correct. Dude, that's and, awesome. <laughs> so the air rescue portion of Customs and Border Protection Air and Marine Operation was in its idea stage still when I switched over. Uh, they had hearse capabilities, um, but there was very few uh, hoist rescues going on because we just didn't have the personnel that was qualified to run the equipment and do the rescues. Yep. So in, in their infinite wisdom, which is the best decision I saw management make when I was in you know, federal government, was they contracted out to priority one, air rescue and trained us all up and got us qualified on all the equipment. Yeah. Awesome. Which was a, I agree with you. Um, and I agree with you for two reasons. One, uh, because I got to be a part of it. Whoop, whoop. Uh, whoop. Myself, Will Milam, um, Joe Martin, uh, Rich yep. Forbes. There was a, there was a bunch of us that went down there and, and we had a blast and well, uh, it, was, it was great training and it was oh, a great time. It, it was, it was amazing. And, and, for as many guys as we trained down there with you guys, it everybody took to it. And next thing you know, you had the head honcho guys coming back with manuals written out for everything that we were training. It was watching everything that we were training put onto paper and into policy. And what a like ha, good job to the Customs and Border Protection boys for making seeing the problem and creating and offering that fix and saying, yep, yeah, you know what, this is the way we need to go. And it was and it, brilliant. It just lit it. It lit us on fire. Um, yeah. Just uh, the training and everything. It, it sparked everybody. We're all well-trained. And uh, so we started uh, doing rescues and it kind of flourished from there and made a gr great program. I've had a good idea of going priority one for our training. Nice. Nice. And that's a, that's a little shout out to P1 right there too. That's awesome. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> P1. Give them all kinds of love. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so now this is going to kind of bring us into really your first ever rescue. That's awesome. Been, <laughs> you know, and that's another thing with the, what was, good about uh, air and marine operations is we had the all the equipment the aircraft to and time to conduct proper training so after we got done with priority one uh we trained and trained and trained and you know that's you, you can't get enough training especially live training you know no simulators just out there doing hoist totally and uh from the time we got done with p1's training up until my first rescue and i really can't remember the time frame i think it was a couple months before I got my first rescue, which would have been January of uh, 2017. Okay. And uh, this rescue, it started out, uh, my hoist partner was Dan June, great guy. 
he was with the uh, Air Force uh, HH-60 program and that, and he brought a wealth of information and experience into the P1 training uh, with us. So, Agreed. and he was happy to be happened to be my flight partner for nice. voice. Yep. So uh, we got alerted uh, seven o'clock in the morning um, to an rescue that was being attempted in the Bob Kivri Mountains, which is uh, west southwest of Tucson, maybe about thirty miles. And the elevation of Bob Kivri Peak is about just under eight thousand elevation. And we had a alert that the Arizona Department of Public Safety, which I heard now has gone through the P1 training. They have indeed. Uh, as, as, as well. Well, prior to that, they had not, and they did not have hoist capabilities. So they did a, uh, I believe they repelled into a ledge uh, off of Babakiri Peak. It was a ledge, or the, the ridge was probably about, oh, probably around 7,000 elevation, uh, straight vertical. And it ran off of uh, Bob Kiri Peak. Well, Arizona DPS had rappelled in to a ledge uh, midway up, and the rescue specialist had to clamber down to the location of an injured male who had lit a signal fire, and the signal fire had spread. Oh. So, but when they went to extract him, they did not have the capabilities or the equipment to extract their uh, rescue specialist now if and, i remember uh, correctly sorry with that so when they when they repelled him down um he had to actually climb down from the spot that right. he landed and it was it was not like a a 10 foot down it was significant travel it was, it was, it was significant travel down uh, down the ridge to like the all, spot of the almost another 50 feet or so if not if not further that, that would be a good you know it's been a few years but yeah that would be a good and to, uh, to get to the patient and they, they couldn't extract their, right. their officer. Cause if I remember correctly, they actually tried to get in there with their helicopter and long line and they couldn't get down low enough cause the blades would have hit the, the hit side the, of the cliff and stuff. And it was like, uh, exactly. what, what are we going to do? All right, keep going, keep going. I just want to make so, sure I got so we all the story right. We were, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's good uh, memory pressure. Um, so we were on uh, standby waiting if they needed any assistance with their uh, rescue. Well, they informed us of the status of it. And so myself, Dan June, and our uh, pilots, uh, we flew up and uh, did a hoist uh, from above the ridge down to the spot. Okay. Where they inserted me into right at the spot where the uh, trooper was and the injured male. Now, and you guys were able to reach that. How, do you remember how far that was? That was uh, 287 foot from the helicopter. 280 feet? That, that is, oh my God. Okay, that perspective here. I, I got I to look something up real quick because okay. uh, um, 280 feet. How high, how, how tall is the Statue of Liberty? Well, the stat, Statue of Liberty, I would have been above it. So <laughs> we would, I, I, I believe the two. Statue of Liberty is under 280. So I was below the helicopter. So you were hoisting an above the helicopter sitting above the Statue of Liberty, basically. And you're and hoisting down 280 down feet. And there's only what? There's only 290 usable feet in the cable Correct. on the drum. So you've only Correct. got 10 feet to spare. Dude, that's. Uh, if that. I, I believe the actual <laughs> length from what dan said it was 287 so i i had three feet to spare oh my gosh 
<laughs> Dude, that is insane. <laughs> okay, so you've now maxed out the entire length of the cable to get yes. down there. Now, I give paint a picture for me. You're on scene now, okay. uh, on the side of a cliff. <laughs> on the uh, on scene, uh, I I hoist down uh, right to the ledge he's at, uh, which is covered with uh, a lot of trees. Uh, it's a little outcropping, maybe twenty by twenty is the si size of the ledge. And it's full of trees. It's a little uh, like cubby hole inside of the cliff okay. face. And his uh, signal fire um, had spread to all those trees. So. <laughs> oh, my God. So you guys are now surrounded by fire while you're on a cliff. Oh, yes. my God. And, you know, for the aspect of Dan, Dan is uh, the hoist operator. Yep. And not only does he have to, he loses visual of me in the trees, but also the smoke. Oh my um, God. So they get me down there. Um, all we're going off of is radio calls. Because okay. um, they're still at maintaining their elevation after they retracted the, uh, the cable. And uh, I package up the patient and uh, connect him. And I bring the hoist uh, hook back down. And I get uh, the trooper and the patient uh, rigged up and ready to go. Was able to call in, send the hook back down uh, through the trees and stuff. It took a little bit uh, to get the right uh, spot for Dan to hit me. Yeah. Um, got him hooked up and you got the load. Uh, they retracted them, got them back in, got them safe. And then uh, as I sit, sat there and pondered uh, how I should put out a fire. Um, <laughs> He, he, he radioed and said, hook's coming back down. And I waited for it to breach trees and uh, hooked up. And they were able to extract me fairly easy. Oh, my God. What the heck? So now I, I, that's, that's pretty awesome, the fact that you were able to uh, actually put the other trooper uh, and the, the victim together and send those guys together. And then, and then you're just sitting down there and pretty much in harm's way. That's... <laughs> bro that's, that's awesome. what we do though that is what we do man killer do. dude what a great first rescue man that's that, awesome and that that was my first rescue too so <laughs> you know and then and then it just uh, goes on from there so you know where do you go after you do a rescue like that you know well for you maybe, you go into <laughs> hurricane me. season i mean come on man <laughs> so you oh my god Brad, I, sorry, I gotta get, I gotta, like, you're sitting around fire and looking around, like, <laughs> and you're, it, you're it, was very, like, it was very surreal. You're up on a cliff, too. So let's, let's, I gotta put that in perspective as well, because okay. you were, uh, how high up on this cliff were you? Because you, you were a ways up. Yes, uh, they, uh, I think the ridge line peaked uh, probably around 65, it was around 7,000 feet elevation and that uh outcropping or that ledge was probably two-thirds the way up or a third oh. of the way down from the peak so it, it was still probably i don't know five fifty five hundred uh feet down to the ground from the it's still oh. pretty good elevation yeah holy cow dude that's awesome that's awesome well yeah. done was, sir well done Thank you. It was a, uh, it was a good first uh, uh, rescue for sure. Holy cow. All right. So now 
after that, you guys get back to the base, you debrief, like, yeah, I mean, like I, I've said it before, I get back from a case like that and you're like, woo, that was pretty friggin' awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then that also set our feet into uh, the surrounding area, knowing that what our capabilities were. So word spread, you know, what we completed on this rescue. So after that rescue, then we started getting a lot of calls for injured hikers up into uh, Mount Lemon area um, and just regular uh, civilian uh, rescues as well nice. as our normal duties. That's awesome. Man, good for you guys. Now, Mount Lemon, for those that don't know, um, that's just outside of Tucson. And the elevation is up there. It's like 11,000 feet yeah. somewhere. I, I think it's right. You know, 10 to 11,000 feet is yeah. uh, Mount Lemon Peak. Yeah. Um, huge uh, wilderness area, camping, a lot yeah. of hiking trails, things like that. Yeah. And they have actually a ski area. They, which they is, do. Which is funny to say when you're in uh, like the southern part of you know, the, the desert of, yeah, to, of Arizona and uh, yeah. they, they've got, you know, in the winter. Go snow just, yeah. <laughs> Where are you going? Oh, right up the road. <laughs> oh, you're in a desert. Yeah. It doesn't matter. There's snow. That's hilarious. So, wow. That's awesome. So now I'm going to fast forward a little bit because again, you guys had sent some video and clips to myself and a couple of the other guys of because you guys were deployed to um, Houston, Texas for Hurricane Harvey, correct? Correct. correct. Uh, August, September, uh, I can't remember, is late August, early part of September of the same year. Um, management, that was, upper, that was upper pretty management gnarly too. DC. That, that, was, uh, that was quite an experience. And uh, we deployed uh, three of our helicopters from Tucson uh, to assist with uh, rescues at Hurricane Harvey in Houston. Awesome. So if you don't mind, can, can I get a couple of those or? Oh, that, that was a uh, nonstop. Uh, it, it was the challenge. Most challenge. I, my pilots just are amazing. Um, the weather we had to fly into even to reach Houston uh, to get to the eye of the hurricane and uh, conduct rescues uh, was uh, challenging. Um, so once we got down to Houston, uh, and if, if the listeners know about Hurricane Harvey, why it made it so unique is that hurricane got to Houston and just sat there for three days. Right. It didn't, it didn't move inland. It just sat there dumping all that water yep. and just that weather right on Houston for three days straight. So we'd fly in and out once we re arrived down there and uh, we had uh, very sparse uh accommodations uh sleeping hangers and, and <laughs> standard you guys know <laughs> <laughs> you know living on uh, power bars and uh Mountain MREs and yeah yeah MRE. <laughs> well we were lucky if we got MREs oh. that, that was an actual meal oh beautiful <laughs> so uh the the rescues were non-stop um I I really don't even have a good number guess on how many rescues rooftop rescues we conducted in harvey um you'd have to go to someone that's good with those numbers because it, it was non-stop there's a there's a town right outside of houston on the second or third day that we were deployed down there uh called uh port arthur oh yeah okay. and port arthur uh had so many rescues going on at one time that you could look out the helicopter and there'd be 
three Coast Guard birds around you, um, DPS. There, there's so many rescues going on on the same neighborhood. It became a challenge just to avoid other uh, air traffic doing your rescue. Wow. You, you'd have a Coast Guard bird, you know, a block away doing another rooftop rescue as you're doing yours. Um, it, it was just an insane amount of uh, work, um, which uh, it actually went well. There's no incidents. And I, I really don't know number how many we were in the hundreds, just my crew alone of uh, rescues for Harvey. Hundreds, yeah. hundreds, hundreds. Of, holy cow. Do any of those hundreds stand out to you? Uh, there was a, there it is. There, there, there it is. Here there, it comes. There's, <laughs> there's a couple. Um, <laughs> one that actually stands out to me is, uh, family, it was right alongside a, a creek that was flooded. They're how they were up in the attic. A little kind of a, it had a uh, little porch on it with the door, but I can't consider it a second floor. But it, the whole family is up there, and I airlifted five family members out. And the father, he had a, I swear this Rottweiler was two hundred pounds, <laughs> and. Um, I came down to get him and I said, sorry, I can't take the dog. We're, we're at capacity now. And he says, well, I'm not leaving my dog. And you get to that point in a rescue. It's well, I got a full crew. The weather's bad. You know, you have to make a, a split second decision. It's like, sorry, I can't take your dog. And he made some obscene gestures to me and actually sick the dog on me. <laughs> so I had to run back out of the roof and grab the hook and get the hell out of there. Oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, it's, and I, as a dog lover, I, I understand, you know, he wasn't going to leave his dog, but that was one of my hard decisions was actually leaving a guy behind because he didn't want to leave his dog. Um, wow. So we had, we had a lot of those, a lot of uh, rapid water where we couldn't, um, there in Houston, the pines are very tall. Uh, they maybe a hundred foot tall yeah. uh, pine trees. So we couldn't get, to some houses um, right around the lake there. So we had to find spots outside close to the house and we would hoist down to, an, on this one, it was to a, uh, a golf, uh, it was a green on a golf course. And we hoisted down to it because it was outside the trees. And then we had to swim in to get the people and swim them back to our, our little uh, uh, sanctuary of that golfing green and hoist them off the green. No way. Uh, with floodwaters all around there. So Holy we had to do some uh, dramatic, uh, you know, right off the cuff type rescues that you just can't get down to in, into something. So you had to adjust fire and uh, figure something else out to get them people out. And we had to do a lot of that. And there's a, we had, there's dozens of helicopters around the same area doing the same thing we were. Yeah. All right, so you got you got another Houston like another story about Harvey. Hit me, uh, Harvey. We were uh, we were going back to the staging area uh, with a full load of people, and we flew over this mall um, north side of Houston, and we see a security guard waving his arms on the roof of this uh, this mall that was surrounded by water. So we made a decision. You know, he's by himself. Uh, we we can put one more person. We had a full cabin. So we conducted a, <laughs> conducted a hoist operation. No, he's fit one more. Uh, on the, <laughs> we, we can get one more in here. And uh, so I hoisted down to the roof of this mall, 
and uh, I get the security guard, get him all tagged up, bagged up, and we go up, and uh, we had a runaway cable as uh, oh. I was coming up. Uh, every, all the equipment was waterlogged. We'd been in this. This was day two, so all of our equipment is just soaked. Uh, that, that's what we attributed the, the runaway to was just the equipment was just waterlogged and some, so we had a runaway and it was Hoisting going emergency. Up. Come on. Hoisting emergency. And uh, we got up uh, and I had a hard hit, um, head hit the uh, framing of the hoist oh. and it, it, it smashed the, uh, the cone and the spring. And I, I still have that cone and spring in a, uh, in a shadow box. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so but but we were able we were able to get the security guard off the roof and uh, get them all to the staging area so they get evacuated holy cow <laughs> oh my gosh so you were the rescueman on most of these or were you the hoist operator uh most uh well me and dan we would uh because as you know it, it gets a little taxing being uh rs yeah, uh, you can get a little you can get a little fatigued and when you're swimming and stuff. So we would change out um, like during the hurricane. Uh, we, you know, six hours on and then we'd switch out and I'd become the hoist operator and Dan would be the rest, uh, RS. So, uh, now, so we'd switch out. That is awesome. And that's something that uh, that like you don't see enough of. Um, you know, like Coast Guard specifically, and, and I'll just use them right now. They have a, a flight mechanic, which is the hoist operator and the mechanic for the helicopter. You know, they have those roles. And then you have the rescue swimmer and uh, and he's in charge of all the life support equipment, you know, at back of the base. So when you're flying, your flight mechanic is in charge of the hoist. Your rescue swimmer is a rescue swimmer. You don't have the switch roles. You right. guys at Customs and Borders, you guys were trained in both. So everybody was riding the hook. Everybody was hoisting. Uh, even right. some of your pilots got hoist trained, which I was pretty impressed Correct. with. So yeah. that in itself is pretty awesome that you guys can just be like, uh, yeah, hey, let's swap swap roles today and, and roll. Well, out. It just so. makes sense. You know, when you, when you get fatigued and yeah. uh, when you're doing rescues like this, you, you want to be as fresh as you can because you, right. you don't know the, the amount of strength or energy you're going to need. So, um, it, it just worked out with us doing that. Um, it gave us more tools in the toolbox. Yeah. Um, when you got fatigued and Hurricane Harvey was just uh, out of the ordinary. I mean, there's so many fatigued and we switched out uh, between hoist operator and rescue specialist all the time. Dude, that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, well done. You and everybody from Customs and Border. I mean, all you guys did an amazing job down there. I, we, I was able to see some of the, the videos and pictures you guys had. Um, solid work. Solid all the way around. So good job. Appreciate that. Uh, it all came down to our training and uh, our dedication uh, to each other. Beautiful. Uh, prior, I, can't, I can't give Priority Run enough uh, kudos. Um, they, they trained us well, and we ran with it. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I know they appreciate it. I know I appreciated it being down there with you guys. It was what a fun class. I, I got nothing but mad respect for everybody down at Customs Reporter with everything that you guys do from law enforcement to the rescue to, you know, the stuff that you guys are called out on. It's, it's pretty awesome. So sweet. Well, you know, I, I, adding the, uh, the hoist and the air rescue piece to it, we were just kind of like a Swiss army knife. You know, the, the government could use us in, a, you know, emergency situation as law enforcement rescue, 
you know, so that that hoist piece just uh, made their their Swiss Army knife bigger, yeah, and more tools in it. And it, I totally agree because you guys are already faster open to boats and and faster open to other places. I, I believe you repelled as well. Is that an accurate statement? Or yes, just, we okay. were uh, we were well prior prior to uh, us getting the hoist training completed. Uh, we were mainly just uh, Hurst helicopter rope suspension techniques uh long lining repelling fast roping um was our bread and butter yeah and i remember seeing pictures of that too you guys rolling it and for everybody that doesn't know um you guys fly out of basically two helicopters you fly out of the a star uh, and then the Blackhawk, and that was our baby when we came down to do all the training it was all Blackhawk work and I love yes. that bird. I really that's our, do. That's our airframe. Yeah, the Hawk was good. Hawk was good. Freaking beast of an aircraft all day long, <laughs> but geez, I mean, and you guys had uh, external fuel, or I'm sorry, you had extended internal fuel tanks that made your airtime a little longer. Like they set up those birds. Yeah, we, well. we had got, yes, uh, they're set up. Uh, we can, uh, with that internal uh, fuel auxiliary, uh, give us another two hours of flight. Awesome. God, that's killer. Uh, along with the, you know, the infrared, uh, the nighttime uh, camera yeah. capabilities and mapping. So it was uh, all purpose aircraft for sure. Sick. Oh my God. I love it. Brad, I, I, that's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I don't want to take too much away from this, but you know, I do want to close out with a couple of things and one is just the floor is yours. Sure. You want to just talk training, safety equipment, tips, tricks, lessons learned, anything that you that you want to, you would, you would pass on to the next generation. What would you tell them? Uh, I guess uh, the, the thing that I harp on all the time still, and I think about it is the training that we, that we received and that we took that training and then kept training, kept training until we were perfect at what we did. Nice. Um, so that would be, is don't just take your training, whatever training you're going into. Um, all aspects of training is just don't stop at the classroom. Keep continuing that training and doing it to real world or scenarios that uh, you can become perfect at your trade. Yeah. Great advice. So tra- training is huge. Great advice. Training is huge. Great advice. I can bad man you're a bad dude i love it (laughs) not anymore (laughs) whatever i appreciate it well brad listen i can't thank you enough for your time and your stories it is awesome uh if you think of any more just give me a call i'll get you back on here we'll do this again now we can do more i love it (laughs) well in that case it's my honor uh, you have a great day and enjoy taking care of the farm rescue in the farm okay because your rescue days are not over yet all right <laughs> all right oh man and uh Thanks a lot, Jason. absolutely and with that ladies and gentlemen we are out of here thank you for tuning in we hope you enjoyed this episode of the real rescue podcast please take a minute and like my daughters like to tell me like and subscribe oh yeah I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story that they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you as a guest. Or if you have any questions about any of the rescues or anything else that we talk about here on this podcast, send me an email, therealrescue 
at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q at gmail.com. You can also check us out on our Facebook and Instagram page at The Real Rescue. That's at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. I also want to give a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember that when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>